Welcome to Gratitude Space Radio. I'm your host, Chris Palmore, founder of GratitudeSpace.com. My sincere thanks for listening, subscribing, and rating this podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm uh, Chris Palmore and this is uh, Grad Space Radio and this is Gratitude and Sobriety. I've got my friend and co-host Curtis in Florida and I'm going to pop him on right now. Hey Curtis, how you doing man? Good. Good morning. Glad we could be here. Glad we could do it. Feels like it's been too long. It has. It's uh, it's it's good to be here. It's cool to be doing it in the, in mid-morning rather than at night too. I agree. And, uh, you know, before I bring on uh, my my good friend, Bobby Coons, I just wanted to say uh, I, in the same vein that whole uh, in the morning, I think it this perfect way to start the day. And it also reminded me of years back when I I heard about a gratitude meeting. Right. And it was an AA meeting. And uh, and I went to it and I was just overcome with people being in the morning. Right. People in the morning in a gathering sharing what they're grateful for. And uh, I think it's awesome that we're meeting this morning, the three of us uh, to, to talk gratitude, you know. And, and yeah. appreciation. So it's a, it's a perfect way to start the day. And uh, it's something I love so much. So uh, in that same vein, I want to bring on my friend Bobby Kuntz in Las Vegas. Hey, hey Bobby. Good morning. Good morning. What's up, Bobby? Good to see you. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy you could be here. You know, Curtis usually brings the guests in, but I said, uh, you know, Bobby's, Bobby's, uh, he's been sober over 30 years now. And, um, you know, you're, you're my friend and my mentor. I was like, what better way to to introduce you, my good friend Curtis, then did us us to get on and do a jam session. Well, let me first say that, and appropriately so, I'm grateful for the opportunity, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I know that's probably a little bit silly with what we're doing here, but at the same time, um, I honestly believe that if you begin and end your day with gratitude, you're literally setting yourself up for success. And it's because of gratitude, I truly believe in my life, being grateful for so many things that's allowed me to be able to live 
each and every one of the days that I've lived sober one day at a time. You know, I, I consider myself to be the one day at a time guy. And for anybody that's watching this, that's probably not a big surprise because it's one of the major foundational principles of staying sober. I don't have to think about being sober tomorrow. Uh, if I wasn't yesterday, I might have to think about that so if it was in my past, but I don't have to worry about t tomorrow's kept for me. Tomorrow's kept for us, right? We only get to live in this present moment. This, this is it. This is all there is right, right here, right now with you and Curtis, this and your, and the audience, this is all there is. There isn't anything beyond this. And for someone who's, I, I probably should let you ask me questions instead of me <laughs> talking. I have a tendency to just roll. So maybe I'll pause there. All I was going to say is, is that if anyone's struggling right now, if you're thinking, oh my God, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this day. How can I do this? Just realize you don't have to get through the day. You just have to get through the next minute. And then you add another minute. And then you add another minute. And then the minutes accumulate. And before you know it, an hour's passed. And then it's not quite as bad as it was an hour ago. And then that hour leads to the next hour. But you're in each of those minutes, moment by moment, sometimes. And then as you begin to feel a little bit better or something triggers you, like the sound of a bird chirping that you haven't heard in, you know, five years because you've been so fogged out of your mind that you didn't even realize the birds were chirping anymore. In that moment, in that moment of gratitude, all of a sudden something's different. Or if it wasn't that, it was oh my God, I woke up early this morning and I saw the sunrise. I saw the sunrise. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the magic in a sunrise? Those little moments are the moments that carry us through the day. And I'll be quiet now. <laughs> I love that. And, uh, you know, we, a great way to start. And I'll ask Curtis here, you know, what are, in this moment, what are three things you're grateful for? Um, my kids, um, travel and, um, uh, shelter. Very good. Bobby, what about you, man? I'm grateful for this t-shirt right here. All Pause, right. Breathe and reflect. And the reason I'm grateful for it is because it reminds me that at any moment throughout the day, I have that available to me as a skill. I'm grateful for the water bottle that's right next to me. And next to that water bottle is my coffee. And I'm really grateful for my coffee. <laughs> it, I love that. I Go ahead, it's Curtis. It's funny that you mention like the birds chirping being triggering or, um, you know, appreciating the sunrise because like if you're up fucking blowing coke all night and the birds start chirping, it's like, Oh God, it's like that moment that you're like, all right, am I going to like push through this day and just like keep getting high? Or is it like really time to like settle down and try to sleep? And for me, it was always like, all right, we got to like, it's time to eat some acid so we can like really get past this, like coming off this Coke or whatever. And, um, it was always this weird cycle where it would be like up all night, like blowing coke and doing all this shit. And then it's like eat some pills to go to sleep and start drinking again. Then it's like, oh, as soon as you eat some more pills and start drinking again, it seems like a better idea to start doing more and more drugs. So it just leads into the next day. And the sunrise is the same way, but the sunrise is, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a, it's definitely a sight to behold. And I'm so like, when I do hear the birds chirping and I do think about like, 
laying in bed with my heart pounding out of my chest thinking I'm going to fucking die from doing too much blow or speed or whatever. I'm just like really grateful in that moment that I'm, I'm sober at this point and I don't have those mornings where the birds chirping is like a terrifying event like it was because it was truly terrifying. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was just, it's, it's, uh, I'm just, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm just, uh, man, things have changed since those days. And it's really, it's with, with benzos like Valium and Xanax, Clonopin, all that being such a big part of my story, um, it's really hard to remember a lot of it. So when I do get to um, remember the consequences of my actions, which is important in the recovery, living a life of recovery to keep the consequences like close because like that's how we drift away. That's how um, you know, we forget how bad things were and we have this euphoric recall, which is essentially remembering the first time we got high or the first time we got drunk and how great it was. And like all of the really hard times kind of like are gone as a defense mechanism, but you know, it's still, it's good to be reminded. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, Chris, back to you. <laughs> Oh, I just wanted to say uh, I'm so grateful uh, to connect friends. Uh, so, you know, being able to sit with the two of you is a real treat. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I was telling Curtis earlier, I'd never met, I still have not met Bobby in the human form. Uh, I did get to meet Curtis in Florida last month. So that was really special. But here we are, the three of us in this room together, living in a modern time that's, you know, so I'm very grateful for modern technology. The fact that the three of us can sit here together and and, and this is a gratitude meeting where technically this is this is a morning gratitude meeting. So I love how Bobby brought up the birds, the sun and how Curtis gave the reflection of of when you're in a bad place, these things really suck. But when you're in a good place, you can actually look at them and appreciate them. Um, I, 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 lo I love that. No, I love that. It's, no, it's listen, yeah. I, I think that's so important because, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. I'm not here to tell anybody that. As a matter of fact, the early days of sobriety for me were brutal. They were miserable. And I failed over and over and over again until I got to a point, and I think everybody that's put any amount of time together um, in sobriety has gone through this experience. Very rarely do I speak to someone who just says, you know what, one day I just decided I didn't want to do this anymore and I was done. So I don't want to give anybody a misperception either about my life. And when I finally did make my decision to stop, my decision to stop came after a whole bunch of failure. And we in society have a tendency to fear failure for some unknown reason. And, and what we need to understand is that we build on our failures. For success to happen, we have to embrace failure. We can't be ashamed of our failure either. So let's say that you started down the path and you said, you know what, that's it. I'm done this year. I'm going to get clean and sober. That's it. I'm finished. And six months along the way, six days along the way, six hours along the way, something happens, triggers you, you fail. That's not the problem. The problem is, is when you fail and you don't log into your memory why you failed. So there's going to be a triggering event that's going to cause you to pick up again. And you have to you have to be cognizant of whatever that triggering event was. And then that gives you one more tool in the arsenal of tools that we use to stay clean and sober 
right? And it's that memory recall that you kind of talked about, Curtis, where we have a tendency to remember the good stuff and we push away the bad stuff because we don't want to acknowledge that. So you have to ground yourself in the, in that moment. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. When I finally decided to get clean and sober for real, like when I made the commitment and I really think there's something here for the listeners or anybody that's in, you know, that, that, that follows you about this commitment piece. This commitment piece is really, really big in my opinion, for me, M you know, we each have to do this. This is, this is an individual journey for every single individual that's going to go through this. Now, can we take bits and pieces from other people and create a successful plan for ourselves? I absolutely believe we can. And as we talk about my sobriety journey a little bit more, if we do, I can actually tell you about how I used a little bit of everything to create my path. And, and here's what I personally believe. I personally believe that once you make a decision that you're going to get clean and sober and that you're going to stay clean and sober and that that's more important to you than anything else. There's a trigger. Something happens in our mind and it sets us up to a place where we have to then make a conscious decision to pick up again. In other words, we've, we've framed it in our brain so that our brain now, listen, if you're, if you're not, clean and sober for enough time to actually frame that, then that's probably not going to happen. So this isn't for somebody that's in their first couple of days of sobriety. This is someone who's made a commitment to it. Maybe you've gone through a rehab program, a formal structured program where you worked on everything that you needed to work on that's below the surface, which is what's probably causing us to drink and drug anyway, right? There's something under the surface that's actually causing us to do what we're doing. You've learned about those things. You've journaled about it. You've thought about it. You've processed it. You're working the steps wherever you are in the program and, and your path. But you have a, an, a, the ability to create a visual image in your mind that's more powerful than the very best image you ever had when you were out there doing what you're doing, having fun, right? So for me, the way to do that was to drive to the other side of town where the lonely people go, where the, the forgotten people go, where the shelters are and to find some, and this was selfish on my part. I'm going to be totally honest with you to find the worst possible case scenario that you can as you drive around. So I found a guy whose cart was on the curb. He was laying in the gutter. He was covered in filth shit and piss. He was completely disheveled. And I stopped the car and I let that image burn into my mind. I mean, I let it burn into my mind. And I said to myself, I said, Bobby, if you continue on the path you're on in less than a year's time, that's going to be you. And I let that sink in. I let it burn in and it was a selfish moment. There was a part of me that said, you know, you should get out and try to help this guy. And I thought to myself, no, you can't help anybody that's not ready to help themselves. And when he's ready for help, he'll go seek help. And then he might be ready to receive that help. And then I did the next thing. I reached out to my sister, who was the only person I could think of that might take me back in. 
And I said, hey, look, I think I'm ready to really deal with this thing. She said, well, there's going to be some rules. And I'm like, okay. I was kind of desperate. I, she said, it's up, it's up to my husband. He has to be willing as well. So they made space for me in their home. And then I got into AA, NA, the VA, and, you know, church worked for me as well. There was a church right down the street called Grapevine Fellowship. And it was a progressive Christian, you know, zero judgment kind of a place where I could go and I could discuss how I saw my higher power. And it was the combination of all of those things that allowed me to at least establish a foothold that I could build on. And then it's been a day by day process ever since that first day. Curtis, I would love to know because I don't know your story. And maybe people that are tuning in for the first time don't know your story. You know, what did you do to burn in that, you know, that image that, you know what, this is it for me. I'm never going back. Well, there is a specific event and it was, it was done for me um, because I was incapable of it. Um, but when I was in treatment, um, so uh, it was, I think it was 19 or 20 days into treatment when, you know, at that point you're supposed to be starting to be stabilized. I had a really, really long and difficult detox due to um, like a 20 year benzo habit and a 30 pack of beer and a fifth of whiskey a day and the DTs from that the withdrawals from uh, the, the, the benzo kick was gnarly and it's really dangerous. That and alcohol um, withdrawals are the only two that you can actually die from. Yep. Yep. Um, Absolutely. So I was, uh, you know, I, I went through detox and they let me like, it was a long, it was, I was in detox for like 48 days essentially. But where I'm going with this is, um, like 19 or 20 days into treatment, I had the, what they called secondary withdrawals. And, um, I went into full blown drug induced psychosis. Um, and you know, meaning for people that are listening, that don't know what that is. If you see someone wandering the streets, talking to themselves or, you know, are in their own world. Um, that's what happened to me about, I think it was 19 days in. And I, they had to, they took me to the ICU Mm -hmm. and I was in critical condition for three days. You know, they did not think that I was going to come back from that at all. I think they were, had prepared my parents for it. Um, so I wake up in the hospital in restraints and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Was I in a rep? Cause I didn't remember being in treatment. I do remember like, the it comes back to me gradually. Like I remember telling my counselor in treatment, I was like, I think I've had the spiritual awakening. I can control the clouds with my mind. And Jeez. he's like, what? So yeah, it was, um, so it was really at that point, um, I was work or, um, who is now my boss, uh, with Intervention 180, the company I work for, he was my sober coach and case manager and interventionist and um, 
sober companion at the time and they called him and they were like, so I get, I, let me back up. I wake up in restraints in treatment or in the hospital and think that I've been in a, a car accident because I didn't remember that I've been in treatment for three weeks. And, you know, I gradually came back from it and regained my, my wits for lack of a better term after they were certain that I was like going to be schiz essentially schizophrenic for the rest of my life. Um, so it's really a miracle how like, you know, our bodies and minds can heal and it's, it's unbelievable. But, uh, the, the doctor at the treatment center called Tom in and had this conversation and Tom tells this story better than I do, but he was like, you have to let Curtis know that although relapse is a part of a lot of people's story and it happens all the time, this is this, you have to stress the importance of the fact that he cannot relapse. It cannot be a part of his story. Like yep. I wouldn't say that to many people because people relapse and they come back and people relapse and they come back, but he will not make it back from a relapse. And I'm certain of that. And he had, he worked with drug addicts for 20 years at that point. And, um, you know, it was, that is what comes back to me. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, um, I want to be of sound body and mind. Yep. And I know that if I relapse, best case scenario is I'm schizophrenic for the rest of my, for my entire life. Worst case yep. scenario is I die. <laughs> there is no other, like, it's not like, oh, I relapse and then like, let me go out for three months and then go back to treatment. That's just not part of my part of what my brain at this point can handle from what I've been told from a, from a neurological standpoint and um, just from a sobriety standpoint. So that's, that's what I go back to. And, you know, I want to continue to be able to show up as a sober father for my children and, um, I have all this like amazing shit happening in my life and why, you know, but that doesn't, that the, the, the thing about the disease is, is that doesn't necessarily stop anyone. That's it. And nailed it. You nailed it right there, brother. You nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. There are people who have everything, literally everything, bro. Like you just talked about, they have everything. They get their life right and they still have everything. And the disease pulls them back down slowly it grabs a hold of them now i realize that this is actually a gratitude discussion but it was really important i think to ground us in just how insidious this disease is and you just described so incredibly well in that short little phrase right there curtis you can have everything going on it can all be so-called perfect right we know that that really doesn't exist we know perfect doesn't exist that's illusory but it looks perfect from the outside, right? If you're, if, I have to try to put my hands just right. If you're taking a picture, if you put it in the picture, right? It's hard to do that on a camera because everything's backwards. Wow, that's a trip. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, geek on, I geek out on little things like that every now and again. That's the beauty of having clarity in your brain, right? You can actually think about stuff. Um, the beauty of what you just shared, you talked about your kids. So here's where the, the piece comes. In my opinion, there is a conscious decision that comes along with once you finally do get your faculties about you picking up again, 
right? So every day, and I don't know for sure, but I think I know you well enough by now already in these few minutes, you make a conscious decision in your mind in the very first few minutes of waking up that today, just today, today, you're going to stay clean and sober today. You're not right. worried about tomorrow, right? But for today, you make a commitment to yourself today. I'm going to stay clean and sober. And if I get to a point in the day where it's too hard, then I'm going to stay sober for this moment. And I'd love you to share about that because that is part of the gratitude picture. I'm grateful for the moment. I'm grateful for the day. Yeah. Um, you are correct. Um, my practice is to, you know, invite my higher power into my life. As soon as I wake yeah. up, I invite the universe into my life because that way I'm literally putting my higher power first. Yep. Um, and I feel really, um, this woman said this in a, in uh, a meeting I was in recently and she's talking about being divinely held. And I thought that was like, the most beautiful thing I'd ever fucking heard yeah. in my life. Yeah, exactly. You think you're, I get a vision just from you saying that my hands out in front of me, right? Like just, and being divinely held. And then the arms just wrapping around me and saying, you know what? We got this, right? We got this. Not you got this, not I got this. We got this. So if we'll turn that over and allow something bigger than us that we certainly could never completely understand to help guide our path, then we don't have to do it alone anymore, right? Yeah, and it's such a relief. It's such a like way to relieve anxiety and to like add some ease to your day that it's like, okay, you don't have to like, I don't have to do all of this on my own. Like just be open and, you know, let the ebbs and flows of the universe kind of like take care of you. And as long as you're, as long as I'm like being of service and doing the next right thing and um, staying dialed in and reaching out to other people and doing the things that I know work. Like right. it's really, you know, it really, we don't have to fight so hard if we just kind of let it, let it roll. And that's, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, you know, and that's, we have the peace of mind in knowing that if it doesn't work out, that like, okay, just, just go with that. And the more, I resist and the more I try to control things, the more I obsess about it. And then it's just, um, it makes my day increasingly harder. But the literature that I read in the morning, it's like really instructive as far as like, just kind of like let the universe take care of you and like do the next right thing. And it seems to work out because it's all energy. Everything is energy. Everything, Everything is energy. energy. Yeah. That's energy. The way money comes in and out of my life is energy. The way people come in and out of my life is energy. You know, and it's a, uh, it's, it's really a relief to know that I don't have to navigate every day on my own. And it that same uh, concept brings the right people into my life to like help me. And I ask for help a lot. And I, you know, I also try to avail myself to people for help. So. Yeah. So you said, you said that concept, I mean, when, I mean, I want to, I want to think about that for a minute, that concept, you know, we want to make sure that that's crystal clear for your audience to, to understand. So in your opinion, what is that concept? Is it a concept of a, like a service mindset of our servant mindset? Or is it, um, I'm going to get uh, out of my head and think about other people. 
Uh, I'm going to allow others to help me. Is it all of that? Does it start with just for today? Um, um, it's always the, the mantra that I learned from um, one of my mentors, best friends, uh, a guy in LA is just always be of service. And that's really yeah. simple. And it's like, if you're, if you're being of service, if I'm being of service, I'm out of my head and I'm also, you know, filling up my karmic tank for lack of a better term there. And it just feels good. And it's like, I feel like selfishly, if I can go through, move through life, like as a servant and helping other people and opening myself up to that, I feel like, you know, I will continue to be divinely held. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy who's runs an incredibly successful business. It's a, you know, coaching and consulting company. He's written a book. Uh, you know, when you get, when you get some years of sobriety under you and you start to feel like a normal human being again, whatever that is, I'm not still not sure what that is exactly, but you know what, you know what I'm saying? When you're not like so far out there that you really don't have any idea who you are, you haven't done any internal work to know who you are as a human being and how you want to show up in the world. As we begin to read more and more and we expand our mind beyond just sobriety stuff, right? Beyond just the 12 steps and 12 traditions or, you know, any spiritual work that you're doing, whatever that may be. Maybe you're into writing and you're you're doing, you know, you're doing like the 12 steps of writing, whatever it is, whatever your thing is. There's so many other tools and resources available to us, but we're not ready for them till we're ready for them. Anyway, this guy, Rory Vaden, who made a commitment to become like the world champion public speaker and Toastmasters at one point in time, wrote a book called Take the Stairs. And in that book, he talks about a servant selling mindset. And he said, I try to remind everybody on a regular basis when they go out to sell our products or to help other people, because we reframe it so that they really understand that they're not really selling anything. They're providing a service to someone. He said to get them to get the jitters and the nerves to go away. He said, I remind them that it's hard to be nervous when your heart is on service. And I just absolutely love that because, you know, if you're coming from an authentic place, if you're truly coming from a place of service and you don't have some kind of selfish motive in mind, then it really is all about service. And why would I be nervous about trying to help another human being? It just takes all the nerves out of it. So for me, that's been really big. And then the other thing he talks about is this thing that he calls the rent axiom. And it's that success is never guaranteed, right? Um, we, we basically rent it and the rent is due every day. So as it relates to sobriety, I think that's a really val. And I kind of butchered that a little bit. I did. I paraphrased it. I mean, I could read the exact quote to you, but you get the idea, right? So success isn't guaranteed. It's only rented and the rent is due every day. So sobriety is never guaranteed. It's only rented and the rent is due every day. Do you see what I did with that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's spiritual maintenance. It is spiritual maintenance. Exactly. Exactly. As is gratitude, yeah. which is what we came here to talk about, kind of, right? Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to go ahead, Curtis. You go. <laughs> no, I just, I just want to interject and say, uh, um, I'm loving hearing you guys talk back and forth, but I, I, I just want to interject, you know, I, I think of, you know, myself, I want to be a catalyst for gratitude. And we've talked about what are, what are things, you know, what are the things you can do to be a catalyst for gratitude and service um, is massive. 
it's a massive catalyst for gratitude, showing up for somebody, listening to somebody, being present, right? Um, massive. And, uh, you know, giving service again, the beauty of that is like you stop thinking of yourself. So you step out of self, you become present for somebody else. And then you're you're there, right? And there's so much gratitude, you know, gratitude is in the now. It's an appreciate what's going on now. It's not, it's not in tomorrow, the sun's going to shine and I'll be grateful. It's in appreciating whatever the now is. So service is like a direct line to being a catalyst for gratitude, bringing you into the moment and bam, there you are not worrying about your problems, but being present for somebody else. And it's freaking beautiful. It's one of the things I love about both you guys. You Both you guys are total servant's hearts, so present. And um, that's my interjection. I just want to say thank you. Okay. So yeah, Curtis, there's a, there's a oh, line no, from a- Go ahead, Curtis. I'm, I, sorry. So, you know, sometimes there's that little delay. So I, I didn't want to no, step on you there. So please, again. <laughs> There's a line from um, a fish song that we were discussing in my in a really good friend of mine's. Uh, he's doing a new like support group, and uh, the song is called "Everything's Right." And the chorus is "Everything's Right, so just hold tight." But there's a line in it that says, "Happiness is how rooted in the now," and it's like the whole the whole thing. Like, so the the guitarist for Fish, who is my favorite musician in the history of musicians trey um he's he's been sober for a while he's public about it so i don't feel like i'm um uh breaking his anonymity he's very public about it um but yeah it's it's been interesting to see the elements of spirituality and presence and gratitude and how their writing has shifted as a band and how his writing has shifted as a songwriter and a musician. And um, it's just like, as we get more sober, I've noticed, and I noticed this early on, I'll have, God willing, I'll have six years in, uh, in, in March. But Dude, like, we should have a podcast on that day, brother. Yeah, there you people go. in, have, have would, people show come, up. and come back for that. It's just a, like, a micro guest. Anyways, go. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And if we don't do it on that exact day, Chris. We could do it that week. We could maybe do a gratitude gratitude <laughs> yeah. bomb. Same yeah. for. I know. Don't, don't say anything to him. I don't want Curtis to hear about it. Okay. We don't want to let that out of the bag. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Sweet. What is um, it? March what? What day is it? Mar March what? The twenty second. Okay. All right. Um, but what I was saying is, it's for me like music is such a huge part of my life, and um, you know, songs take on new meanings as we grow, as we mature, as we evolve, as we like have these new experiences in life, and like lyrics have meant one thing to us at one point in our life now like mean an entirely different thing, and it's just it's really cool, and it's one of my favorite things. It's always. Um, I, I listen to music all day long, every day. It's like my passion is like discovering new bands and like sharing that music with people or people are always sharing music with me and talk about gratitude, man. I'm just like, it's such a, <clears throat> listening to music for me throughout the day is such a powerful experience and really guides me through my day. And um, like, I really enjoy in the mornings, like I usually wake up as the sun's coming up or sometimes before, but like I'll do my morning routine, meditation, whatever. And then I put headphones on and then just kind of close my eyes and listen to like really like soothing tunes that like really like tug at my heartstrings or whatever. And it just really sets me off in like the perfect direction for the day. But yeah, Fish's music and Trey's music, Trey's writing has really 
reflected like his spiritual path. And it's just cool to, it's awesome to uh, experience those, those moments when you're like, Oh, that's what he's talking about. Oh, I can relate to that because I felt that way. And it's, it's really cool. I, I'm, I'm on a tangent now, so you guys can talk. (laughs) Curtis, what I really loved about what you shared just now is it demonstrates that we can actually find what feeds our soul. Because each of us are just a little bit different. You expressed so clearly just now, and anyone listening doesn't have to wonder what kind of an impact music has on your life because of the way you described the experience. I know, because I know Chris pretty well, that gratitude does that for him. Multiple forms of gratitude. So he could be watching a video, he could be watching a movie, he could be listening to a conversation, and he's picking up on the moments of gratitude in whatever's happening because that feeds his soul. I love to read and I love to write. And I write pretty much probably every day, at least something. I'm certainly journaling something. I oftentimes I'm writing a specific article to get a point across or, you know, I, I've, I wrote a sobriety poem that, you know, is in this in my book that talks about, you know, the sobriety journey. And it talks about basically my commits pathway to progress is, which is what has allowed me to maintain long-term sobriety. So sobriety in the early years for everybody is going to be an individual journey, but it's going to be much more structured or in my opinion, probably should be much more structured as well. In my opinion, if you don't need that, then, then, you don't necessarily have to do that. But if we look statistically at the people that do well, most of the people that do really well, do well with structure. And most of those people probably haven't had much structure leading up to the time that they finally get some, right? So you maintain that structure, become more and more flexible with the structure and start allowing other things to come in. And then you get your fulfillment from those other things. But the fulfillment starts from the inside. So when you're already happy on the inside and you're not seeking happiness externally, all of a sudden you stop seeking. What I heard when you described what music does for you is that music fills you up. So you're already full on the inside. And when you're full on the inside, it's like a cup. When the cup is full, is there room for anything else? And some people would say, no, if you pour more stuff into it, it's going to just, it's going to leak out and it's going to go all over the counter. Well, that's kind of true. But the truth is, is that when your cup is full, if you'll pour some out, and that's what we do as human beings, we pour out and then we pour into others. And when we pour into others, then that gives us room for more. What we're doing right now together with the three of us here is we're pouring out a little bit and making room for more. And the more we pour out, the more room we make. So when you describe what music does for you, I felt that. There's a difference between hearing it and feeling it. You were so visceral in your description. You actually talked about how you heard, you've heard lyrics change. You shared the experience of a friend. You listen to music all day long. I heard all of those things. There's no doubt in anyone's mind that music is a really, really big part of your life. When we have something like that, we can anchor ourselves in. We can also come back to that in the moments of difficulty. Right? So, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's a beautiful and gratitude works that same way, because as Chris talked about, gratitude happens in the moment. In this moment right now, I am so grateful for the technology. I mean, I, I've got me in the bottom here. I've got Chris up in the right-hand corner for me. Curtis, you're over here in the left-hand corner. We're having this incredible conversation. And this would never be happening without this technology. So I can be grateful for the technology. And then I can get behind that. Chris, you're going to appreciate this. There's a book out there about a cup of coffee. Who knew you could write a book about a cup of coffee and thank a thousand people probably he stopped at a thousand people. Yeah. He stopped at a thousand, right? Yeah. Who knew you could, who knew you could use gratitude as a tool to express how you feel. It's a powerful tool to express how you feel. I, I can, I can look at you right now and Chris, and, and I can just say, dude, I, I got to tell you, this has been such a rewarding experience already. I don't know how I could ever repay you for this. Right. <laughs> Because I am growing in the moment because of this conversation. I will never be the same human being again because my mind has gone to another place because of this conversation. And we're only like three quarters of the way through it, right? Mm -hmm. That's the power of gratitude. That's the magic of gratitude. I recently had an opportunity to go to the bottom of a canyon and look back up and go, this is perfect. Everything around me right now is perfect. And it was made by the hand of whatever you believe in. It was carved out over thousands of years of time. And it was Bryce Canyon National Park. And sitting at the bottom, looking at all the hoodoos and all the stuff that was going on around me, trees and nature, the sounds of the birds, I thought, man, life is really beautiful. And in that exact moment, I was so grateful for the moment. And we have moments throughout our days like that, that we can actually look at and express gratitude for that moment. And in that moment, that moment. So I did recall just now to something that happened a couple of weeks ago. And I could ask myself a question if I'm struggling. Do I want to be able to experience more moments like this? Or do I want to wake up going... Where am I? How did I get here? And who the hell is that next to me? <laughs> and I, I don't want any more of those moments in my life. I got to be honest with you. So it makes it much easier for me to make a conscious decision about how I'm going to go through this day. You, you know, you, uh, I, I, uh, I want to speak to that moments thing, you know, yesterday. So again, I, you know, is a quote in my book, my friend has basically said, you know, busyness is the enemy of gratitude. So um, when you're running around, you know, you you're not being present when you're rushing to one place to another. You're not you're not enjoying the ride. You know, so you, you're saying when you went to Bryce Canyon, you look up, you were literally like, I'm here enjoying this moment. Like you're literally like you didn't just like, you know, walk through the canyon and go. I went to a canyon. Um, but you say, for example, yesterday, you know, I'm on a walk with Rosio. It's a beautiful day. You know, we've been waiting. The weather's been crap. But now the sun came out. It was 50s. You know, we walked across the bridge. It was gorgeous walked around downtown Jeffersonville, went down to the water and we were sitting there just watching these ducks, right? And these geese in the water. And there was this little, we started to notice these little ducks, like they would go down for food. So it's like, he'd shoot his legs up in the air and go like this. And at the same time, like the tail was doing this. And it was the most cutest, the funniest thing, right? It was just, it was just comical. And I was thinking, 
I could have just think about being in the moment, right? I could have walked by and just said, oh, there's some ducks over there. But I wasn't in a hurry. Thank goodness. We weren't on a timetable. So it isn't like we had to get somewhere and we got to be in the moment and just enjoy something that's very natural. It's not supernatural at all. Uh, It's not like magic, which, you know, it isn't like fireworks from the sky, but it was just a moment, right? But yet it was a great moment because we were there together in this time, beautiful weather, these ducks and laughter, right? So um, being present back to like, slowing down and being present and like appreciating what you have, you know? So your story reminded me of that. Curtis, is this, does us, our talks about the Canyon and the ducks remind you of anything in the last couple of weeks? Um, I was driving, uh, I was in Asheville, North Carolina on two weeks ago or something. And the Blue Ridge mountains are really, really, really important yeah. to me and really like special and really, formative as far as like I went to college and them and like mm. it kind of like the whole vibe there kind of shaped shaped who I am today really and I was um I had gone out for the day on my own I was in my buddy's car and I was um driving towards the mountains and it was really fucking cold it was freezing but I was in the car thankfully and I was like looking off and you know like the contrast between like the cloud if it's if it's dark clouds at the end of the day you've kind of like got twilight and you've got like this really stark contrast of clouds and sky yes and the clouds were like coming over the mountains and i was just like taken back man i was like um i just really remembered some really grand experiences when i was like in my early 20s and late teens i went to college when i was 19 so i was there from you know 19 to 23 or something however long college takes for me it was four years thankfully um there's a little longer like, for me uh, <laughs> it was a little longer for me i was just super <laughs> fucking grateful i was like wow this is beautiful i feel amazing and i'm like a lot of times i am like by myself, like saying out loud, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful for that. Like talking to myself essentially, but it's such a, a it's the vibration that I want to operate in is gratitude, you know, and presence and, and love. And because the more I operate on that level and on that vibration, the more people, places, things, energy I bring into my, my orbit on that same vibration, you know, it's the law of attraction. So I really like to, I'm, I've been for months now, essentially been in a constant state of gratitude. My life has been really good. It's has some, it has its hiccups and has some stuff that I have to work through and some things that I still have to own, like some character defects and, um, wreckage of my past and, um, things that I really have to work through, but overall, like I am in a perpetual state of gratitude lately. And it's, it feels, I mean, it's like, I feel fucking high. Like a lot of the time I'm like, dude, what is going on? You know, it's hard to, it's hard to contain it. Hey, Chris, I'm I'm never like that. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, man, am I losing my shit? And then I'm like, no, this is great. And it's just, um, it really has, opened so many doors for me lately and um i you know i'm just gratitude is so important and you know this goes back to 
the sober living that I lived in, I'm going to have him on the show at some point. His name's Kelly Seidlitz. Uh, the sober living that I lived in LA was called gratitude recovery. So I like, it was nice. in my fucking nice. You <laughs> know where this is grounded now. Now we know where it's grounded. This is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, totally. This and is beautiful. He, he's a real like mentor for me back then. And, <laughs> you know, taught me mindfulness and um, taught me to like stay grateful. And he's such a, a bright light. And so like, He's just a great person to be around. And yeah, um, yeah it's just, it's really, it, it all comes back to that. And with gratitude comes presence. And I really, 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 and it may, especially as a father, like being present is so important to me because I was not present for so long. Like I was there, but dude, I don't fucking remember my kids being young at all, at all. And not in a way that parents are like, oh yeah, I don't remember them because like we were too busy. I don't remember them because I was fucked like severely mm-hmm. fucked up and um you know i can't get that time back but i can show up for him now and that's that's what that's what's important and um yeah you said something really cool just now and so it made me reach over and grab my phone so for anybody that gets clean and sober and decides they want to stay that way i have a recommendation for you there's a notes section in your phone that's really good for capturing the stuff that comes through your mind because stuff's going to come through and you're going to go, man, I really want, I really wish I could remember what I said or what I did or what I was thinking. And if you don't write it down, it, it just kind of drifts away for me. It did anyway. And still does to this day. One of the problem, I want, I don't want to call it a problem. One of the challenges that I still have to this day is I still have gaps in my memory and my ability to remember things. Um, memorizing things is a real challenge for me. I have to work really, really, really hard at it. So it takes a ton of effort. But if I write it down, I can go back and reflect on it almost any time, which is a really powerful tool to work around the fact that my memory doesn't work exactly as I hope it would, right? And they, what they say actually is that we have perfect memory, that, but we have poor recall. So it's the recall part. I did something to the recall part of my brain that it doesn't work exactly like it's supposed to. I can live with that. You know, I have a really, really good life. If that's the worst thing that happened to me, <laughs> this, then I'm okay with that. My teeth were pretty messed up. I was able to go and, and, you know, see a dentist and get all that stuff fixed. Right. So they were able to fix my, this other thing, you know, maybe doesn't work as well as, but I found a way to work around that. So part of sobriety as well is finding workarounds. So one of the workarounds is to write stuff down. So one of the things I wrote down and I just share this very quickly. And this is what we're doing right now. If people are thinking about what are these guys actually talking about? What are they doing? Together, we paint a picture of a future so bright and so exciting, it takes restraint just to sleep. No pushing is required when the vision is so compelling that it launches you out of bed with excitement and anticipation. That's how I felt when I woke up this morning. You don't get to feel any of that when you're waking up hungover. It's just never going to happen for you. You're not going to wake up feeling that way. Now, you could put some stuff into your body that might get you to that state again, right? But it's not going to be sustainable. This is sustainable. This is sustainable. You said something earlier, Curtis, that really, really struck me. And I'd like to go back to it for two reasons. You talked about how there isn't another comeback for you. 
and how it took something really dramatic to demonstrate that to you. Here's how closely paralleled mental illness is and substance abuse or alcoholism or coming back from recovery. When someone has a psychotic break, they're only one break away ever from never being able to come back to reality. And the kind of break that you were talking about from reality that comes from either drug or alcohol induced is that same kind of a break. And literally you could go like they say off the deep end. And then you see these guys on the streets that are wandering around or these girls, unfortunately, women, men, human beings, human beings wandering around on the streets, talking to themselves, probably have an underlying mental condition, but maybe not. Maybe they drank enough bad stuff over the years that it did something to their brain that their brain couldn't recover from. My very own brother-in-law, who my sister convinced to take me in, was a functioning alcoholic for pretty much his whole life. Held down a phenomenal job, is retired, and then began the process of slowly drinking himself to death. Literally. Literally. And it wasn't till he went to the hospital in liver failure that he woke up to the fact that he had to stop because the doctor basically told him, said, if you continue on this path, then you're done. Um, his daughter just recently had their very first grandchild. And now he has a reason to live. And now he has a reason to live clean and sober. And he's so grateful that he didn't kill himself. My, my sister and I had a candid conversation. She's like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't get him to stop, he won't stop. And um, I said, you know what? I said, all, all you can do is, is, you know, for me, for, I said, all you can do is pray. You can ask, you know, for guidance and that there'll be some kind of an intervention that will have him wake up. Well, that intervention was him, his liver quitting, his, his liver getting so sick that he had to go into the hospital and then coming out of that, finding a reason to live. So when you shared that and knowing how close you were to not being here, like literally you might've still been here physically, but you would have been, been here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. We couldn't have had a conversation like this. When you can ground yourself that way or the way that I did, by going and creating a visual image of something that you know you don't want your life to look like, that recall is so powerful that you could literally be in a position where you're ready to slip because you've allowed yourself into that position and say, you know what? I really need to leave. I really thank all you guys for inviting me here. I've had a great time, but I need to go. Right. Or you could say no and never put yourself in that position. And you have the courage, the strength and the fortitude to say no, because you're grounded in what you know you don't want. So sometimes, like you said, knowing what you don't want is just as important as knowing what you do want. So thank you for that, because that helped ground that even further in my mind. Now I have three images I can draw upon. I can draw upon the look of my sister's face, looking at her husband going, I don't understand. I can draw on your story and I can draw on my own memory. 
And then I can draw on the joy and gratitude that I see on this man's face who's hosting this for us right now every time he and I talk about gratitude. Now I have four images, all different, but all that ground me in what we're doing together to try to make this a little bit better planet for all of us. I wanted to, I'm going to step in. Oh, go ahead, Curtis, go ahead. He was speaking to you, so. Um, I learned later after that whole thing went down, like as I'm like in, in detox going like entering into this psychosis uh, and before between the time it started and by the time they got me to the hospital, they said that I like took my wallet out, went into the, um, to like the nurse's office or like whatever in the main nurse's part of the detox and start like dump my wallet out and start like chopping up like imaginary lines of like Coke or meth or whatever it was. And they said that I got the pictures of my kids and like put them over to the side. And every time I think about that, I'm just like, <gasps> so I'm like in there, like asking nurses, like do this imaginary Coke with me. But at the same time, part of me has the, the like awareness to like, okay, like remove your children from this situation. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what, I don't know how to explain that except for like a power greater than me, like working yeah. through me at the time, because I'm yeah. like just ready to fucking blow some huge rails, but I want to make sure my kids are safe over here. So, wow. Ooh, talk about visceral. Wow. Well, Chris, you were about to say something. I would, I'm like, can't wait. Uh, I oh. know you're going to say something really powerful. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking and, you know, uh, the only reason we know each other is obviously our experiences. But, you know, Curtis in his sobriety shared that he was grateful, you know, five and a half years in, he just decided publicly on a platform to say, I'm grateful. And, you know, and I found Curtis because I follow a hashtag on Instagram. So because he put out this little this message into the world, I happened to be scrolling through at that moment. And we and because of that, that mechanism in his heart for sharing gratitude, we're connected and we're here, you know, very similar to Bobby and I five or six years ago being on a platform called Anchor yep. and we're grateful for it. And somehow um, through that, because we were sharing that, we met each other and then here we are together, you know, and it just makes me, reminds me so much of, I feel like people can, you know, if we just look at where you're saying the honesty of this is what I'm grateful for, it says so much about who we are and it allows, it allows us to look past, you know, I don't see gratitude as a political stance. I don't see it as a religious stance. I see it as who you are. It's not, it, it doesn't divide us. It only, it, it puts us together. It's, it's, it's a connecting force. It's so much stronger than all those other things that push us apart. And, uh, you know, we're very three, very different people, but we're sitting here together because we're freaking grateful. And I yep. love that so much. And it's I know we only got a couple minutes left. So go ahead, Bobby. No, I was going to say, Chris, with what you just said, it transcends all bounds and all beliefs. That's my addition to what you just said. Gratitude transcends all bounds and all beliefs. Right on. Well, wait, we got uh, Curtis, uh, we got about a minute here. You got any uh, final thoughts, buddy? No, uh, just again, like these, when we do these things, I, I'm always like, as we enter into it, I'm like, well, how's it going to flow today? Like, how's it going to flow? Or, all up, you're all up in your head. 
I am so laughing with you right now, brother. I want you to know because I did that same thing. Like, how's it going to flow? How's it going to go? We should have a, um, we should have a structure. We should have a script. We should have a this or that. No, this <laughs> was beautiful. We never have a script and it always goes really well. And I always feel exponentially better after it. Yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, wow, that's just like, it just speaks to the power of the whole concept of mm. and practice of gratitude. So thank you both. Yeah, no. you're welcome. Bob, Bobby, you we, uh, say a few things and you can tell people where they can find you if they'd like to reach out to you. Yeah, the, the easiest place to find me is on my website at, at bobbykuntz.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, Bobby underscore Kuntz, um, at Bobby underscore Kuntz. That's the easiest way to kind of see what my work is. Also, you can find me on Medium. I write on Medium. I'm an inspirationalist, so I write a lot of really inspirational articles, um, mostly because I believe that what you put out into the world comes back to you. And basically what I really believe more than anything is that we are literally a mirror reflecting back into the world, what we're doing within ourselves and getting to the place that I arrived in all of these years that have accumulated. And I want to make this really, really important point one day at a time. Yes, I have over 30 years. Yes, I will celebrate my 31st year this year if that's the universe's plan. And I believe it is because I'm part of that plan. And I work that plan. And I work my I work my program. My recommendation to anyone out there who's really just getting rolling is be very structured in the beginning and then allow yourself to grow into your own plan that will carry you into long-term sobriety then you can have a life outside of sobriety. Your life won't be just focused on sobriety and you'll have an opportunity to meet other really cool people like Chris Palmore, Curtis outside of whatever he's doing when he's working with clients in the program, right? So Curtis has a very structured life, I'm sure, in the program when he's doing that. And then he also has a family life, you know? So when you're clean and sober and you've been that way for a while, you could be invited over to Curtis's house, maybe for a barbecue with your family kind of thing. Those are the things that become available to you in long-term sobriety. Um, maybe those things aren't available in the very beginning, but that also gives you hope. You know, there's a, a phrase that, you know, where there is no hope, the people will perish. Well, I truly believe that, you know, I believe that if we don't have hope, we will perish. And part of this gratitude process is realizing that every day is a gift and that if we embrace the day for what it offers us one day at a time, then we get to experience that gift. And that gift is gratitude. That's beautiful, man. I think it's a great place to close out here. And I just, uh, you know, just going back to this idea of a gratitude meeting, you know, gratitude is a habit. It's something you have to practice at. It's something you need to bring into your day. And if you can start it by watching a couple other people talk about it, that's great. Or making a list or taking a walk, um, your day's only be better, you know, and this kind of starts from there. So I thank you guys for allowing me to have this morning gratitude meeting. And I know that I could never have enough of these. And um, the cool thing is we've captured this. So whenever we want to, we can go back and watch it, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. Um, so I want to thank you, Curtis and Bobby. And uh, I'm Chris. And that's uh, and we're out. Have a wonderful day. Stay grateful. This is an open call to anyone that has a gratitude story or practice that they'd like to share. Just email me at the address hello at gratitudespace.com. That link will be in the show notes. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. You can look at this as a way of showing me a little gratitude. Just a friendly suggestion. Thank you for tuning in to Gratitude Space Radio, and we're out. <laughs>